In Paraklam Medalad, we have a very controversial and very hard to understand parsha about Dina Basleya. The Pasuk starts the Parak Vatetse Dina Basleya. Dina, the daughter of Leah, goes out. Yaakov, who was born to Yaakov, She goes out to see, to observe the daughters of the land. She goes and sees what's going on outside. And the Pasuk, by saying Dina Bas Leah, by calling her Dina, the daughter of Leah, which is a funny way of describing somebody. Normally we describe somebody by their father's name, not by their mother's name. And Rashi brings the Chazal that the reason why this whole Misa happened was because she was a Yatsanist. Because it was Vatetse Dina. She went out. She should have really stayed home. And called Fudabas Melach Panima. But she went out and she got this Mida from Leah. Leah also was somebody that would tend to go out. Of course, in whatever way this means, Khalila to castigate the Imais, but on whatever microscopic level this means that they were Yatsanis. As it says, Vatetse Leah Lakrasa, Leah also would tend to go out. So therefore, this whole Misa began with Shechem. It's an interesting thing that the... What did she do? Where was she going? She was going to Lirais B'vnei Sa'aretz. She wasn't going Khalila to socialize. She wasn't going at all to, uh, to do something that we would perceive as being anything bad. All she was doing was to go and see the B'nei Sa'aretz, to see what was going on what was doing outside of her house in terms of what the women were wearing, what the women were speaking, what the women were doing. But it was women. She wasn't going out to do anything illicit. Khalila. Just as an aside, this isn't what the main point of the Shmuz today is about, but just you see from here that when we discuss issues of Sneers by women. A lot of times people think that women themselves are allowed to do things that men are not allowed to do. Men are not allowed to, let's say, look at uh, fashion magazines because it has pictures of women. Women can look at fashion magazines because, uh, you know, what's the big deal? They're women and it's about women. It's good. But you see from here that there is a taina, it seems, against Dina that she was the Yatsanis to see B'vnei Sa'aretz. Even to look at other women for women is something that's not good. If you look in the Igeras HaGra, the Gra writes a letter to his uh, to his wife and to his mother when he was going to Eretz Yisrael and he was telling them basically a living will, what he wants, how he wants his family to be raised and one of the things he says in there is don't take the girl the daughter, our daughter, don't take her to shul on Shabbos. You know, normally if I was, I mean, I'd say, take my daughter to shul. The guy had a different hashkafa. The, the guy said, do not take her to shul. Why? Because if you take her to shul, she's going to look at the other girls in shul, and the other girls are dressed fancier than she is. She's going to be jealous. 
and then she's going to come home and she's going to talk Lashon Hara about those other girls, how they weren't dressed properly or how they were not walking properly, whatever it is. And so the guy says it's better to keep her home rather than going out because the more she goes out, to look at other girls, that's also not good. It has a very bad ashbar if a woman looks at other, looks at movies, looks at at magazines, look at, looks at internet, at all these types of things that are, even though it's other women, there's no major, uh, you know, Shmir Sainayim issue by women, but the fact that they're going to be influenced by what's trendy outside and what's in fashion, what's in vogue, that itself is not always good for a woman. One of the members of our Kailo, uh, Rabbi Yassi Samit, so his mother-in-law uh, was Nifter uh, several weeks ago. Her name was uh, Rebetzin Gittel, Shandel Gittel Feuerstein, Feuerstein. And she was a Rebetzin in Livingston, New Jersey. And before that, she was a principal in um, Vancouver. And she was a brilliant woman. Anyway, Yossi gave me the, the CD to listen to the Hasfedim. And I was driving to uh, Hasnan wasn't the best time to listen to Hespadim. I didn't exactly come in and steal the show in terms of uh, being Misamea Chasim Mekala, I guess, but it was beautiful Hespadim. And they said amazing things about her and about her everything. She was a very, very, uh, an unbelievable woman. And one story that stuck out in my mind when I was listening to it was that she was very sick she was sick for many, many years. She had Yana Machla, and she was a very, very debilitating illness. And a friend of hers went with her to the doctor to get, I guess, chemo. And then they had to stop off in a drugstore on the way home to pick up some other medication. So this is a woman describing, the woman that took her was describing it. And she says, we went down... We went into a CVS, and in these drugstores, if you notice, they put the prescription counter all the way at the other end of the store. It's never right when you come in. It's always at the other end of the store, at the furthest end. And they do that on purpose, because they want you to you know, pick up Tylenol along the way, and they want you to pick up some Band-Aids and some, uh, you know, some diapers or something. And so that's why they make it very far at the other end of the store. Anyway, they went to the store, and every single step that the Rebetzin was taking was pure pain. She was in such, her body was wrapped with such Yisurim that it wasn't shy of every step was Mamish Gehenim. And she made it to the other side of the store, to the prescription counter. She got the medicine and she started walking up an aisle. And then she stopped and she turned around and she says, let's go around. And every step was Mamish pain. And she was already halfway down the aisle, halfway down, you know, she took maybe dozens of steps in torture, now she's going around, all the way around to circumvent the aisle for some reason, and the woman who was with her did not understand. And when they got into the car, she asked her, why did you, why did Rebetzin, you know, go around like that, we were already halfway up the aisle, we were so close to getting out of the store. So she says, I was walking up that aisle, and I noticed that in front of us was the magazines and the novels and the newspapers. She said, I've worked so hard 
to try to get to the madrega that I've uh, that I've arrived at, and why would I want to forfeit that by looking at these at these magazines, at these pictures, at these at these all these things that would influence me perhaps? Because even for a woman, there's a din that you're not supposed to be yatsanis. And you're not supposed to, when you have to go out, you have to make sure not even looking at things that are other women things is a problem. It's not so posher to look even at a woman's magazine. Because when you look at it, it's not sneers and that will have an ill effect on your ashrafa. And it will maybe change our perspectives on life and what's important and what's not important. And all of the things that the magazines are selling to the Goyen, that's not Shayak to It's not for us. So just some an important hashkafic detail that we should know. That if we think that it's okay for women, for our wives, for our daughters to, to look at things, even though it's, they're women, what are they, who cares? It's a very, very important thing to be very nizar, not even lyrics with nice hearts for a woman. Of course for a man. But for a woman even, lyrics with nice hearts is a very dangerous thing. And the Psukim continue by Dina that Shechem ben Hamar, once she was outside the house, he sees her. He was the Nasiya Aretz. He was the prince. His father was the, the king. And he had a desire for her. And he he basically was he was manner and he was and he, he took her. A terrible Maisa. And we know that when the Shimon and Lady found out about it, they were furious. This is not to be done. And they of course made their famous plot against the city of Shechem and they attacked they first they convinced them to be Gamalt and then they went and they killed all the people including Shechem and Hamar and then the Pasuk the Perak ends or this Parsha ends and it says in, Pas- in Pasuk Chavav there's Hamar and Shechem Benai Hargul of Yicharev that Hamar and Shechem were killed also by the sword and they took Dina out from the house of Shechem and they left so Dina was still in the house of Shechem the whole time and after they massacred the whole city they chopped Dina and they ran now you would think if you're reading the Pesukim Kipshuta that Dina was Nebuch captive in the house of Shechem and now they went and they made this daring and Tebi raid, they went and they, you know, they, they went into, and they killed everybody, and then they broke into the palace, and they took her out, and they unlocked her, and they took her home. And it was a big simcha for her. But the Medrash says something that's nothing short of astonishing. The Medrash says, Rav Yudan Amar, Gairin Ba V'yaitzin, when the Pasuk says that they took Dina, Mi that they took her out and they left. It says that they had to schlep her out. She did not go willingly. She wanted to stay in the house of Shechem. They had to force her out. They mamish had to take her biadayim and schlep her out. And only then were they able to take her back to the house of Yaakov. 
which is an unbelievable thing that the Medrash is saying that Dina Bas Yaakov would have wanted to stay in the house of Shechem over coming home to the house of Yaakov. It would be hard to find two diametrically, more diametrically opposed houses in the world of the house of Yaakov, the Kedusha, the Tara, the perfection of the house of Yaakov versus the decadence and the disgusting nature of the house of Shechem. If he was a type of person that would go and be Ma'anis, a person, you can imagine that his house was probably not exactly a Makim Kaddish. And yet Dina, the holy Dina of Bas Yaakov, would want to stay there after he was Ma'anaher and after all the terrible mices that he did with her, that she would want to stay is nothing short of astonishing and astounding. If I was a psychologist, which I'm not, so I would probably start assigning different psychological phenomenon to this Misa. And there's a famous um, thing called the Stockholm Syndrome. The Stockholm Syndrome is basically a, a paradoxical phenomenon in psychology that it's the Teva, for some reason this happens, that when a person is taken prisoner, when a person is taken captive by another party, and then, and the person is sort of, the, the captives are, are nice to them, so then they become sort of enamored by their captors, and they don't want to leave. They're so, they confuse, like there's a confusion between the, uh, the lack of abuse of their captors and they interpret that as an act of kindness. It becomes like in the person's brain, it's suddenly there's like a, something that gets confused. You know that this is a person that took you captive and that this is a person that you should hate. But instead you begin to love or like that person because they're nice to you and you look at that as somehow an act of kindness instead of being an act of, of cruelty. And it happens throughout history. I mean, Stockholm, I think that was, it happened the first time that it was documented by a psychologist who was a mice that took place in Stockholm, but many people throughout, when they're taken hostage, this happens. Suddenly it happens that a person, his mind change, his or her mind changes and they become sort of like an ally with a captor to the degree that when they are freed, they don't even want to be free. They want to go down with the captors. It's a pellet. It's a, it's a very, very funny phenomenon, but that's what, that's what psychologists tell us. For Abirucham Lubavitz doesn't look at this Misa with Dina and why she didn't want to leave because of the Stockholm Syndrome, because of some weird paradox in, in, in human psychology. But he looks at it as a Musa Shmuz for us and he says that this is the Kayachapitoy. Kayachapitoy means the power of seduction, the power of a person being able to be convinced of something that's the most phenomenal power in the world it's the strongest power and he says that since we see in the Maisa here with Benais, with, with Dina Bas Yaakov that it says that he spoke to her the Russian Apostolic is he loved her he spoke to the heart of the Nara. What does that mean, you speak to the heart? 
That means that what you're doing is you're trying to be mafate the heart. You're trying to sell the heart something. And Rabbi Rucham says that the heart is so deep. The heart is so complex. The heart is so profound that when a person is spoken to in the language of the heart, a person's entire mindset changes. A person is able to be talked into anything if you're talking to one's heart. You could take a person like Shechem, a vile human being, but because he spoke sweetly to her, because he spoke in a very convincing way, in a very in a way that would change her mind and her heart, he melted her heart, that was the Kayakapito, even though Dina Basyakov was Dina Basyakov. She was the daughter of Yaakov. It's hard even to talk about her in human terms. But because the Pasuk says, And the wave, the heart is so deep, the heart is very, very fickle. And the heart could be changed and seduced. Even a heart of Dina Bas Yaakov could be changed if you give it the opportunity to. If you speak in a certain way to anything, and you play with a person's heart, and you play with a person's mind, a person can be manipulated in any which way. And he says, even Adma Rishon, Adma Rishon was perhaps the smartest being ever. He was the Yitzir of the Rabbi Shalom, who was smarter in the world than Adma Rishon. You can imagine the, the wattage, the brain wattage of Adma Rishon. And even he was allowed to be mefute. He was allowed to be seduced and convinced and persuaded through Chava and Chava by the Nachash. From the first day of history, the Kayach HaPite was on full display. And this is something that we all have to be very, very careful about because all of us are subject to the, to the power of persuasion. And we're bombarded by this every single day in many different spheres. And I'll give you some examples. Madison Avenue. Everything in the world of advertising is all primarily sheker. It's all a world of pitoy. What is the kayak of advertising? The kayak of advertising is that we're going to take a product that maybe very few people need or want, and we're going to dress it up so much that it's going to be irresistible to the common man. That's what advertising is. It takes a product, you don't need it, you don't even want it, but after Madison Avenue gets through putting a 30-second commercial on television or putting a glossy picture in a magazine, suddenly everybody needs that perfume, and everybody needs that soft drink, and everybody needs that type of corn chip. And that's what the kayach of advertising is. It's not, it doesn't make sense. It does, it's not something that we could rationally understand. Because I don't need this. It's something I don't need and I don't want. But because the Welt says that this is something that's good, it's geschmack, it's important. It's something that everybody has and everybody wants, even if it's not true. But now I want it. I want it and I need it and I must have it and that is the Kayach HaPitul. There are psychologists like we said at the beginning 
you know, that they put in a drugstore, they'll put the, the prescription counter very far away. They didn't do that at random. They went and they did psychological studies and they understand that when people walk through a drugstore and pass by other aisles, the tendency is that they will put things in their bag. And this is true with everything. If the person wonders, why is it that everything in the store is always like the, the, the dollar amount and then 99 cents after it? Or a 99 cent store. Why don't they call it a dollar store? Why is it a 99 cent store? It's just a penny. Because psychologists understood that the kaya is such that if you say a dollar, people, and it's too much. 99 cents, oh, it's pennies. It's not, it's 99 cents. They understand that there's a certain price point that a person will not go above in his head. So if something costs $2,000, $2,000, I'm not spending $2,000. Oh, it's 1999. Uh, it's, it's still like $1,000. So I can, you know, I can live with that. I can live with it if it's still within a thousand. If it's a dollar, it's mamish such a small fraction of what the total cost is. But in your mind, you can live with something if it's $1,999. Once it's $2,000, it's a complete, it's like as if it's $20,000 now. That's the way the human mind works. So when people are selling product sauce, it's really a pure example of pitoy. All it is is people that have done case studies and tests and market studies and, and, and polling data, and they understand what the human mind will accept and what it won't accept, how to convince the human mind that something is good, and that's what they sell. And they go right for the jugular. This is what they want. This is what they know they have to get to. And they're able to do it in such a way through advertising. If you go into a supermarket, somebody told me, I didn't know this, but if you go into like a big supermarket, sometimes it says like, you know, two bottles of Snapple for five dollars. Two for five dollars. Two for five dollars, you know, you don't know. You so everybody's taking two of them. Oh, it's a big mitzvah. It's two for five dollars. You don't know. You could take one of them, and it's two fifty. It's just if they say it at two for five dollars, you may oh, it's a mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah. Every one of them is two fifty. Also, it's just that with the way they produce, the way they display it, makes all the difference in the world because we, our heart is such that we are able to be. We turn off our brain when it comes to certain things, and we're able to rationalize, even though on a rational level it doesn't make sense. But because our heart sees it and wants it, then we will go for We allow ourselves to be seduced. When it comes to smoking, smoking is a terrible thing. I remember when I was young, I'm not that old, but when I was younger, everyone used to smoke. It was like a very common thing to smoke. In yeshivas, most of the, many, many people smoked. Tamid Racham smoked, Rosh Hashiva smoked. And I remember I used to go into an airport, and everyone was smoking. It was mamish a big cloud. The whole airport was smoking. I remember, like, relatives of mine were smoking. It was like a common thing. Now it's like a hard thing to even dream of, because you can't smoke in a bar. Like, they don't, they don't even smoke anywhere. But then it was very, very common. Today, Baruch Hashem, people, a lot of people got the messages. But still, if you go in Europe, I think it's over 50% of the adults smoke. In Eretz Yisrael, it's Kefarlach, even in America. But in Eretz Yisrael, in America, it says on the package of cigarettes, it says, smoking will cause cancer. Right, people, it's not so sharp. 
in Eretz Yisrael, if you go, if you ever go into the duty-free shop, so they sell like a carton, and there in Europe, they're much more mocked, they make you put a picture of like a lung that's completely, you know, completely devastated by the effects of the cancer, and it says, you know, this pack of cigarettes will kill you, and yet people are still like loading up of like 20 of these cartons. After all of Asra, people are still buying it. Why? Because the kayak of Peter is so great. Because a person is led to believe by movies and by television and by magazines that smoking is cool. That the cool people are smoking. That it's, it's, it's very rough. It's, it's rugged to smoke. And you see the Marlboro man is a cowboy and he's chashev and he's smoking so it must be a good, th- a good thing. And so and it starts very slowly. It doesn't start right away. It starts very slowly. You have one cigarette, a casual cigarette, and then you have another. Before you know it, you can't stop. You're fully addicted. But as far as even though you know that it's a terrible thing to do, people still do it all because of the kayach apitoy. This is how great the seduction is. The persuasion of, of man could be And if this is true, when it comes to the, the trivial things in life, that we allow ourselves to buy the products that they're being merchandised in a certain way to us, and because this person uses a certain product, now we all have to buy that product, and because this person smokes, it's cool to smoke, we're going to smoke. It's alachas kama v'kama true when it comes to Yetzirah. When it comes to Averis, the biggest seducer in the world is the Yitzhahara. And the Yitzhahara knows exactly how to sell his wares. And he knows exactly how to pull us in until we're addicted. And this is the thing that we have to deal with. If we want to avoid the Yitzhahara, we have to first see him for what he is. And we have to see him for the charlatan that he is. And the merchandiser, the marketer, he's selling us wares that we don't need. But because he markets it in a certain way, it makes it too impossible to resist. In this week's parsha, there's a murder about There's two great varts we're going we're gonna to say over today. But it's mamish. It's so true and it's so emes. It's a vart that a few big people say. Rebbeim Shmulevit says it. Rebbeim Chasman says it. In the in the beginning of the parsha, where there's the wrestling match between Yaakov Avinu and the Sarah Shalasov. So Yaakov wins, he's wounded, but he wins. And he says to the Sarah give me a bracha. But first he says, I want to know your name. Tell me what your name is. And the Sarah answers, the Smalach answers, Lama zeh tishalishmi. Why are you asking me my name? Meaning he's sort of very evasive. He doesn't want to say his name for some reason. Like, what's the big deal? Say your name. Why are you so shy? All of a sudden, the Sarah Shalasim is shy. He can't say whatever his name is. His name is Samal. Say his name is Samal. Sarah Shalasim, Sarah Shalasim. Why is he being so, so elusive? Like, what's the big deal? Why is he saying, Lama Why ask? Don't ask my name. So listen to a great verse. He wasn't being elusive. The Sarish al is the same thing as the Yitzhahara, Hua Yitzhahara, Hua Satan, Hua Malachamabes. All these guys are one. They're one and the same. They just wear different disguises. 
but they're all the same. They're all the Sitrachra, they're all the Sarashalesa, they're all the Eitzahara. It's one person, one Malach. Yaakovina says, Tell me your name. What's your name? What's your Mohus? A name is something that is able to identify somebody. Tell me what you're all about. And the Sarashalesa says, My name, my name is Lama Zatishalashmi. My name is, don't ask me my name. What does that mean? Don't look at me too closely. Don't think too rationally when it comes to the Eitzahara. The Eitzahara operates with a kayak of fantasy. The Eitzahara operates with smoke and mirrors, with a mirage. That is the name of the Eitzahara. He doesn't want you to think clearly. If you think clearly, you'd run away. You wouldn't be interested in buying what he's selling. What he's selling is going to lead you to nothing other than misery and guilt and depression. And it's not good. It's not good. But the way that the Eitzahara is able to be most effective is, Lama Zatisha Don't ask my name. Keep it as a fantasy. Keep it as something that you don't want to think about too much. Think about it as a crime of passion. Do it in a state of complete... Not thinking. If you think about it rationally, you're not going to want to do it. So you have to keep all thoughts that are normal and that are logical out of the picture, and then the fantasy can begin. His name, the name of the Yitzhara, is Lama Zatish Alishmi. Don't ask me my name. If you ask my name, the fantasy is over. The mirage dissipates. Once heard a vart on this, on this vart. So, Mashalama Adabar Daima, person is like from like some third world country, has no idea of technology or anything, and he walks into like a movie theater, and he doesn't understand, you know, everybody's looking at this movie, everyone's looking at this, at this movie, and he doesn't, they're sitting in the dark, and they're looking at this, at this movie, and they're all like mesmerized, and this is ridiculous, what are these primitive people? crazy people sitting in a dark room looking at a screen so he goes and he flips on the lights and everybody's like ah, what are you doing you know it's, well, who turned on the lights what do you mean I did you a favor don't, don't you want to sit in the light why do you want to sit in the darkness and the terror says that when you're engaging in fantasy when you're engaging in the big screen it has to be very dark in the room you know why because darkness is the only time that the movie could really have any ration Besides the fact that you wouldn't be able to see the screen too well, but the mahus of a dark room is really what the kayak of the Eitzara exists in. He really only has a kayak when you're in a dark room. When you permit yourself to be in a prison, in a state of not thinking, in a state of lamazet tishalashmi, that's when the Eitzara can be you. If the lights are on, if you're thinking clearly, if everything is rational and logical, you wouldn't want to buy his wares. And so the Yitzhahara is saying to Yaakov Avinu, my name is Lama Zatish Don't think. Don't know my name. Don't think about my identity. Because if you do, you'll know that it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not good for your neshama. It's not good for your soul. It's not good for your lungs. It's not good for your mind. It's not good for your heart. Nothing is good. But the only time I can be mafat to you is if you're not thinking about things clearly. Then... When you're in that funny state of mind, then I could really be most effective. So if the Kayach Apito is so great that even Dina Vasyaka was able to be so 
persuaded to be happy in the house of Shechem, a crazy situation. To be mamish, you're a prisoner in the house of Shechem and you're happy, you don't want to go. So much so that when Shimon Levi comes, she has to be swept out of there. That's what we are up against every single day of our life. Because we are so bombarded by all of the pitoy, by all the advertisements, in the paper, on the internet, on the buses, on the billboards, wherever we go, on the radio. There's constant advertisements, there's constant messages, there's constant seduction. And it's very, very hard to stay very strong and focused because sometimes we want to permit ourselves to be seduced a little bit and to be persuaded and to be led astray into the trap of the Eight Sahara. And so what do we do? How are we able to prevent this from happening? And there's really only two Eitzes, which is sort of one Eitzah. The first of the two is, don't be a Yatsanis. Don't go out so much. Don't look so much. It's very, very hard if we're always on the internet or always walking outside or driving and observing everything. It's impossible not to be entrapped by the Eitzahara. Even if you're trying to stay, we all know this, if you're trying to stay good on the internet and everything is supposed to be, you know, we're only going to the quote-unquote right websites, we know that there are pop-up ads and the emails there are things and wherever you go, if you hit a wrong number, a wrong, a wrong letter on, on the screen, something bad is going to come in your way. That's what the HR is. The HR is all over the internet. And if you take a wrong turn on the street, you're going to see something that's not appropriate. And if you look up or if you look in a newspaper, even if it's a, you know, a, not the New York Post, if it's the New York Times, it's perhaps even worse sometimes, the ads that are in there. Or any magazine. Some, this week somebody pointed out that there were some magazines that were, that were being, uh, you know, sent to Yeshiva and their subscriptions to these magazines. Terrible magazines that people in Yeshiva are subscribing to. And I hope whoever owns it is my friend. I threw a lot of them in the garbage. And I'll pay for them if you, if you're, if you're the subscriber, come to me and I'll, I'll be happy to reimburse you. But it doesn't belong in a yeshiva. Sometimes it's on a... Some, most of the time, the, the cover is okay. It's inside the magazine that's the problem. But on this particular magazine, is the cover that was Mamesh Shabiyah Satoma. And how do we subscribe to these things? So the first thing we have to do is, we have to stop in the tracks, the Yitzhar, by not being a Yatsanis. If we're not such a Yatsanis, we try to prevent the amount of time that we spend outside or inside or looking at certain things, that's the best way to stop the Pitei Yetzer. The Yetzer is not going to be too effective if you're not looking at him, if you're not allowing him to entertain you. There's a very chash of a bacher in yeshiva that came to me and he, he knows that I like knowing about like the filters on the, on the website you know, and for the internet and in yeshiva, we have a filter. I don't think it's too effective, but you can you can you know make your own filters. You can buy your own filters and do other types of things to prevent it. So this buffer came over and he told me that he has uh, he just did a uh, uh, a filter. He, he pays I don't know I don't know how much it costs, but he pays. He bought a very strong filter on the internet. So I said, uh, great. What does it do? He says, well, it gives you different options, and you could basically block out you know. 
ads, you can block out pictures, you can block out certain websites, there's a, you know, a, a, you could blank out everything except for what you want, you could blank out certain certain websites that after you don't want, there's all different types of countries, I said, what do you do? So he, he blacks out everything. And he gave his Chabrusta, his friend of his, the, the only way to like override his blackouts are by, he would have to plug in a, 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 a password, his Chabrusta would also have to put in his, his code or whatever. So I said, wait a minute, so you basically can't use the internet for anything, right? He says, no. So I said, so why do you have, why, why do you need it? Like, you know, if you, do you use email? No, I don't use email, I don't use website, I don't go to Tara, so this is like nothing. So, why do you have this? He says, because I have a laptop, I need a laptop, there's wireless in the building, I don't even want to have a habamina of using the internet, so I got a filter on my screen so that everything is blocked out. Basically, I, I, it's impossible for me to use the internet if I would, I don't want to use it, and I don't use the internet. But, Luyat, sir, I would want to do something on the internet, I can't even do that. That is what, that's the first way to fight the is Don't even give him an inch of territory. If you give him an inch, he'll take a, he'll take a foot, he'll take your entire body and soul and Olam Haba with him. If you don't budge and you make a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z, that's the best way of starting off with the HR. But as we know, it's easier said than done, and a lot of us need the internet, and a lot of us need to actually go outside for things, and we have to take the subway sometimes, and we have to do things. We can't go through life always, you know, completely isolated. We have to earn a living, and we have to, you know, do things, we have to read, we have to, we have to somehow be able to, to embrace the world to a certain degree, perhaps. We can't completely isolate ourselves. So then what's the Eitzah? So the eight that the Bali Muslims say is that you have to run away. If you're ever in a matzav, that you are actually undergoing a pita of the Eitzahara. And we all know this feeling, you know, you're in a certain funny mood and you're about to look at something that you shouldn't, you're about to go someplace that you shouldn't, and you have that, you know, weird mood inside of you and you're not really thinking rationally and you're about to do something, you're about to look at something, or you're already looking at something that you shouldn't. So the Bali Muslims say the best thing is to run away, to shut it off, run away, run outside the room, run outside the building, run into the street, first look both ways, but make sure that you don't, that you don't stay there with the Yitzhara, because as long as you're staying in that dark room, with the Yitzhara, it's going to be impossible to be leichem against him. You cannot, only Yaakov Avinu, and even he was, was Nifka, but only Yaakov Avinu could struggle and could wrestle with the Sarashayas that we're not holding there. We don't have the ability to take on the Yitzhara face to face. We're not strong enough. He's a much more interesting person than we are. He's much more powerful than we are. And we will lose ten times out of ten. The only thing we could do is Run. Just like by Yesu Sadiq, it says that when he was being seduced by the, by, by Aishas Paitifar, it says, Ayonas, Ayetza, what did he do? He didn't start schmoozing with her and debating with her whether this is the right thing, what's the wrong thing. He ran out, he dropped his jacket. And the Ramban asked, why didn't he take it with him? It's crazy. Why didn't he, Sadiq, to leave a jacket? I mean, he's, just, he's very smart. Why would he leave like Exhibit A in the hands of Aishas Paitifar? He knows that's going to land him in jail. And the terrorist is 
that when you're dealing with the Yetzirah, there's no time to think rationally and normally and debate it and think about it and, and, and start you know, taking time. There's no time. All you do is run. And if you run, it sounds like, well, oh, that's a wimpy thing to do. That's like, you know, that's cowardly. It's not cowardly. It's the biggest act of Gabura that a person can do is run away from the Yetzirah. There's nothing stronger the Rebbein Shalom gets no bigger nachas ruach than when, we're in, when the Yetzirah is about to bite and we run away. And here's the second great verse. It's unbelievable. It's probably the best verse I ever heard in my life. For this Shabbos. <laughs> the verse is like this. We find by Parshas Kisetzer that Parashat says it says that there is a Eishetif Haskayar. You're going to a Mochama and you see uh, an Eishetif Haskayar, a beautiful woman, you know, on the other side. And so you want her. You want to take her. So the Torah says you could take her, but first you got to go through a whole bunch of things. You have to, you know, let her... Uh, mourn for her father and mother for 30 days and she has to look disgusting and she has to grow her hair and her nails and a dance of there. So Rashi brings Chazal Why are we allowing this? Why are we, is this a Jewish concept that you can, you know, that we allow you, to, we understand you know, that you have a Yetzirah, we want to work with your Yetzirah so let's, uh, you know, let, let, so you can do it, but, you know, before you do it, you have to first, you know, f- fulfill a couple of snarm, and then you can have her. Because, like, give her a Torah, El Yetzirah, the Torah has to deal with our Yetzirah. Frechtev Chatzkel Abramski, Zagana Gainim, Chatzkel Abramski asks the Akasha, since when do we find that you could deal with the Yetzirah? We always find all the Bali Musr tell us, you're not supposed to deal with the Yetzirah. You're supposed to completely ignore your Yetzirah, run away from the Yetzirah. All of a sudden, we're here, we're, we're giving you like a 12-step program, how to deal with the Yetzirah effectively, how to make a compromise with the Yetzirah, how to negotiate with the Yetzirah. You have the Yetzirah to do it, so we'll allow it. We can't not allow it because, you know, you're going to have the Yetzirah anyway, and so we'll do it, but you have to do certain things before that, and maybe by then you'll cool off. That's not the, that's not generally the way that we, we, we're told to deal with the Yetzirah. We, we're told to deal with the Yetzirah other way. We don't deal with the Yetzirah. You don't like, oh, you, you know, you have a taiva for Abed So, you know what it is? First, like, you know, have a meeting with a, with a galach for a couple of hours before you do anything. And then, you know, because you have the Yetzirah, what are you going to do? And then maybe, you know, read some of their publications. And then before, you know, then you'll decide, hopefully by then you'll cool off before you actually have Mishnachah to Abed Zara. You know, there's no there's no there's no when it comes to Avodah There's no aces when it comes to Shvichas Damim or to any of the Arayas or any. All of a sudden, you're at war. You have a parsha of Eishes of Astayar. But different times, we have to allow you. We have to worry about you. It's all we have to deal with you. So how do we deal with you? We have to allow, make allowances in this situation for it so that we can compromise with the Yitzharah. We'll compromise with terrorists. Since when is this when is this acceptable behavior? Since when do we allow a person to deal, you know, on a you know to, to make deals with it with the Yitzhahara? So Kratzkel says in Murray the said. He says, You're right. We don't. The only Aitsa to do when you're dealing with the Yitzhahara is what we just said, is Bricha. 
You have to run away from the Eitzahara. That's the only Eitzah. Every single time you're faced with the Eitzahara, if you're in a dorm room or if you're in a, you're walking to the movie theater or you're going somewhere else or you're reading a billboard, run away. But the only problem is, there is one time that it's usher to be Bareach. And that's to be Bareach Menamu When a soldier is fighting a war, you are not allowed to run away from the front lines. And if you are, you're Chayav Misa. The Rambam says that it's mamish like the worst. It's a terrible thing. If every single time a person, the army would go to the front line, you see like people coming, the enemy coming with guns and with Uzis and whatever against you, and you start running away, you know, we'll never win any wars. You are not allowed to be Bareach Min So now we have a problem. Because if here I'm fighting a battle, and there I see on the sidelines there's nations of Hasayar, so what do I do now? I can't be Bareach. Normally I'm supposed to be Bareach. Here I can't be Bareach because it's a Mochama. This is the only time the Torah gives you such a, a, an Eitzah of being, speaking to the Eitzah, like Dibra Torah, like Negev Eitzah, that will give you an Eitzah. But only because you're not able to be Bareach. Every single other time in the Torah you have to, you must be Bareach. There's no other Eitzah than to be Bareach. And that is why only by the Eishet of Asfair is their exception, because that's the only time you're now out of be Bareach. But every time in the world, other than that, when you can be Bareach, you must be Bareach. This is a very, very important yisait. There is no bigger yisait than this in our life. The Sahara is a very, very strong, very, very strong force in the world. A lot of times we think, it's not a big deal. I can handle it, I'm strong. And we know that there is no such thing as being strong. Even the Aves HaKadoshim were afraid and HaKadosh Baruch wasn't even Masha his name on them until after they died because until the last day we can never really be sure that we're okay. We always have to assume that we are, we are a lot weaker than we like to believe we are. Because all it takes is one opportunity. A lot of times people throughout history of the yeshiva year we were, we made a lot of mochamas throughout time about, about against the internet. And again, the internet is a very, it's a very difficult tool because it's not something which is completely raw. There's a lot of good on the internet. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Torah on the internet. There is Torah anytime on the internet. There is, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be gained. It's, you know, we can't stick our head in the sand and say it's a terrible thing. But the overwhelming majority of the stuff on the internet that people that my Naam uses is, is bad. And it's very bad. And a lot of the things that cause children to go off the derrick is the internet. Either the Gila Arayas on the internet, the Avadizara on the internet, the Shvichastam of the internet, all the Chamuras of the internet, everything that we were, you know, when we were young. Before the internet was invented, so the world was a different world. There was always schmutz. 
There was always preachers in the world. Don't get me wrong. But if you wanted to do something bad, you really had to try very hard. If you wanted to see something that you, you weren't allowed to see, you had to like, you know, if you wanted to go into a movie that was not kosher, you had to basically sneak in. And, you know, that was the only way you'd be able to get in. There wasn't cable TV. They had a thousand channels at the click of a button. Then we had a TV in the house, but the TV basically hardly ever worked. It was the, they had these antennas that like, you know, you had, it was always fuzzy and you always had to like keep on, it was like so much abaydi, it was, it wasn't even, it wasn't worth it. And there was like four channels and one of them was like channel 13 and then there was like, you know, it was, it was like really boring, it wasn't really much out there. And if you wanted to do something, there was always schmutz, but you really had to be, you know, scratch your brain and really think hard, how are you gonna, so people were able, to sit with a lot more menuchas and nefesh and learn and daven and nothing was really ever plaguing them. Nowadays, with cable television, and you know, it's not my dar, it's your dar. I don't, Baruch Hashem, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a house that had cable television in it. If you grow up with a house with cable, I don't know how a person is able to handle that Yitzhahara. Your parents aren't home and you have a, a thousand channels to look at. You're still going to take out a chayvus al-babas and sit and learn? Is it shayach? Is it physically shayach for a person to do that? If a person has the internet with a million channels and a million things and you could Google any any taiva that a person has, you could have chat rooms and you can have all of the worst. The Facebook is the worst thing in the world. The worst invention in the world is Facebook. I don't even know what it is. That's the Amos. I really don't. I have no idea what Facebook is. But all I know is is that it's a terrible thing. It's ruining marriages. It's ruining relationships. It's, t- it's taking people completely out of the, the realm of normalcy. And it allows people to talk to people, mamish, without any... You could be a yatsanis in your own bedroom. You could be a yatsanis in your own living room, in your own dorm room. You could be a yatsanis. You could go out and talk and, 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 and talk to the Sahara. Talk to people, talk to an Eshashish, talk to every kulturah, v'chal zah, v'chal tamil, amachanez, mamish, right in your own bedroom. All because of these inventions that you have to learn how to deal with. And if you don't, and if you think, well, I can handle it, I'm only using it for kosher friends, and I'm not using it for, no women are allowed, and no this and that, and you're making mechitzas in your, in your Facebook, and you think that you can control it, you're wrong. Because it starts out this way. The Gmarim Shabbos says that this is the omnis of the Sahara. Day one, the Yitzhahara is very patient. The Yitzhahara doesn't have to run. He doesn't have to jump in. He's not going anywhere. He's been around since the first day of the brain. He'll be around long after we die. The Yitzhahara says, look this. Just get a, you know, go online. Join Facebook. Join one of these social networks. Or, you know, you watch a movie. It's not the end of the world, but it's a, it's a kosher movie. It's rated G. It's a good movie. It's a documentary. It's kosher. And then the next day, you know, you're already in the mode of making every night a blockbuster night. You got your popcorn already, you know, in the, in the microwave. So, you know, I might as well, let me look at something else. So you go to PG. And then you make a CM on PG, and now you're already, you know, you have smicha on that, so now you could go already to, you know, to Leila, Leila. And that's the way the HR works. This is, this is very common. This is not, this is not abnormal. This is normal. Because the pizza of the Sahara is something that's astounding. 
Because when it matters of our heart, this is our heart speaking. This is not our mind. This is not us. This is not a svaro and a gemara. This is our heart. It's purely our heart. And our heart is so deep and so complex. And our heart is so hungry for so many things that when it's able to turn off the light switch in the brain, then the heart starts pumping and the heart wants. And the Yitzhahara is there to cater to the every wish of the heart. And so we have to make sure to be very, very on guard against the pituyim of the Yitzhahara. Madison Avenue is Madison Avenue. And it's not the end of the world if a person you know, decides that he wants to buy Diet Coke. It's not the end of the world. But when the pitoy ends up being something that's b'negeya isa v'heter, b'negeya things that are mamish ayom habadigazafin, you could be the biggest adam gadol, you could be the biggest sadik. And when we were fighting the mochamis against the internet here in yeshiva, there was a lot of resistance. Every single time we tried to put filters on, and a lot of it was practical because it's taka very hard. You know, if you have to, you know, do a paper, you know, so. And when I was growing up, and I don't want to like make this all about me, but when I was growing up, and you'd have to write a paper, you'd go to the library, you'd, you know, and you'd actually like take a physical book off the shelf, like a world book encyclopedia, and look, and you'd plagiarize from that. Nowadays, you have to, you know, it's so much easier. You go online, and you could actually just cut and paste. You don't even have to type anymore. You just cut and paste, and then you switch around some of the words, and you got a beautiful paper. You get an A. So it's not that there's a good reason, you know, that guys needed internet in the dorms and here and that. But then guys come and say, you know, you're treating us like we're in high school. We don't like being treated like high school kids. Like, we're not in high school. Treat us like adults. And you know what I said to them? I said, how that somebody should treat me like I'm in high school? There is nothing greater than being treated like, like you are a complete, a baby. Because we are babies. When it comes to these matters of the heart, we are all children. We are all little children that are babies. And we can't control ourselves, like, like just like babies. Even if you're very strong, the biggest Gedalim, the biggest Tamil the biggest Tanam and Amiraim, they had difficulties with their personal Yetzirahs. So what should we say? We're greater than them? All of these things, whatever you have, you have to make sure to filter and to make sure that we're not looking at things that we're not... I'm talking to myself also. We're talking to everybody in the room. We're having an open discussion. This is something that is the most dangerous Hayrah Shah of our time. Because this is what the difference between having a terrible life and, and raising a family with Kedusha and Tara and having the opposite. When people are dating and they're discussing, you know, I want TV in the house, I don't want TV, I want internet, I want... It's not a matter of like, oh, how, you know, how modern are you versus how yeshivish are you. It's a matter of, are you willing to bring the Satan himself into your bedroom and your living room or not? Are you willing to have your kids, are you willing to have your kids exposed to crazy people out there that will lure them into the ridiculous, the most preposterous things? Like Dina Bas Leia was able to be taken into the, into the house of Shechem of all places and she ended up liking it there. That's what we're all up against. We're not firmer than Dino. And we also, we could be lured just as easily into somebody else's world and not want to leave either and want to abandon our, our home to base Yaakov. The house of Yaakov will give up easily for the house of Shechem if we're given the opportunity, if we allow ourselves the opportunity. And so all of these things are so, so important. This is not a matter of 
modern orthodoxy versus centrist orthodoxy versus, you know, right wing and left wing. This is just a matter. If I'd be giving a talk to Italian Goyim, I'd be saying the same exact thing. It's just a matter of preserving who we are. It's a matter of staying normal. It's a matter of being able to raise a normal mishpacha, normalcy. All of these things that are out there, these pituim of the Yitzhara, the modern day house of Shechem, all of these things are luring us. It wants us to come. It wants us to taste. It wants us to just look. And once we look, we want to see more and more and more. So we have to stop it in its traps, but for most of us that's impossible because we're already in the traps. We're already in the trap. So what we have to do is we have to learn the art of being bereach. We have to stop. We have to run away. We have to not look. And if we're in, if, if we're in this matzah that we are really, it's, you know, we're in a room, we have yichidas with a, you know, there's yichud. There's a problem with yichud with a computer also. When you're in a room alone with a computer, it's no different than being in a room alone with a, with an ish. It's not misen. This is what the G'daylam say. It's the same thing. It's worse. Because when you're in a room alone with something that you, is so powerful, it's impossible really to not give in. And so what a person has to do is try to prevent it altogether. But if you can't, you should. But if you can't, then you have to run away. If you're ever in a matzah, just shut off the computer, pull out the plug, smash the screen, do something. But run away, be bayreach, and hopefully then you'll be able to win that mulchama against the Sahara, and then have the ammunition hopefully to build upon that victory until you're ultimately able to triumph totally against him. And that is the all-important lesson of the Pite Alev that we're all subject to, every single person in the world. And therefore, we have to make sure to be especially on guard against it. Have a wonderful show.